Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. It is draft night eve. And uh, over here at Grizzly Bear Blues, we've done a, a lot of draft content. Probably too much draft content for uh, picks 22 and 29. But you know what? We love it. We love the draft. We're incredibly excited about the different possibilities that the Grizzlies could do in this draft. So I'm excited to preview that with y'all. Uh, before I uh, kind of interact with those in the spaces, let me let you know how you can get in touch with the podcast and with the blog. So Grizzly Bear Blues, it's the official blog of SB Nation representing the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, you can find it on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies or on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. And Grizzly Bear Blues Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network where you can find every single episode of GBB Live, the 380 Podcast, Starty 5 Podcast, and old episodes of the Core 4 Podcast and the Longview Podcast. So let's go ahead and get this thing started. Uh, if you want to speak, uh, feel free to request to speak. I definitely don't mind. Kind of want to keep this open-minded and stuff. But yeah, right now the Grizzlies, they have three picks total, the 22nd pick, the 29th pick, and the 47th pick. Uh, as far as like and telling stuff, there's not a whole lot out there. I mean, obviously, the Grizzlies want to trade up. I'm not going to talk about it this podcast. They're not trading up for four. We're not going to talk about that. So let's not talk about that. Uh, they have been in talks with the Cleveland Cavaliers for the 14th pick. Uh, I have some reservations about that. But they're they're trying to move up. Uh, they're willing to dangle uh, DeAnthony Melton per Sports Illustrated's uh, Jeremy Wu. So uh, that that's definitely out there. They, they want to keep the 29th pick for cost-controlled reasons. I don't blame them. There's a reason why they traded for the 30th pick in the past two drafts. Uh, and then uh, from a prospect standpoint, the only thing we know of what prospects they're interested in are Dale and Terry of Arizona and Wendell Moore of Duke. So being honest with we don't really know what's in store for the Grizzlies draft, and that's why it's so exciting. Uh, but let me get to my first speaker, my former co-host, GBB senior staff writer, Nate Chester. Big Nate Chester. What's up, man? 
I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Talk to me. How are you feeling about the draft tomorrow? Well, I would be <clears throat> two things I'd be shocked about if they don't happen. First, I'll be shocked if they don't trade up. They've done that every single year. The climate has been in charge since 2019. Uh, <clears throat> I firmly expect them to move up in some capacity. It appears they want to hang on to 29 based off reports, which leads me to the second thing that I'll be shocked by if it doesn't happen. Uh, De'Anthony Melton will almost absolutely be a part of their deal to move up. I will be very surprised if he is still a member of the Memphis Grizzlies at the end of this draft. And there's multiple reasons for that. And I kind of talked about it in my piece on him. And I think you expanded on that um, a couple weeks ago. But um, it's just time, I think, for the Grizzlies to look in another direction to get another type of feel for their backcourt uh, coming off the bench because Melton has simply not proven himself to be a reliable scoring option coming off the bench when the lights are brightest. And so it seems that he is the most likely player to get moved. He's somebody who has trade value. I think sometimes when a fan base gets off of somebody, they start to think, well, oh, he still has trade value. And there's usually a reason why you want to trade him in the first place. And there's a reason why a lot of Grizz fans don't want him around anymore. But he's still somebody who I think elevates the floor of a team. Um, he's somebody who I think could fit really well in Detroit. Now, I don't think the Grizzlies will be making any deals with the Detroit Pistons, but he's somebody for a team that's trying to get into the play-in. He's a good young piece who can help you get there. And so he has value. He can serve as a valuable trade ship, and I think he'll be a part of any deal that they use to move up. But I will play devil's advocate here for a minute and suggest a reason why the Grizzlies should not do that. And really, in all the time that I and everyone else in these spaces have been researching and looking at draft prospects, this is a very deep draft. Um, there's a lot of guys that could fall to 22 if the Grizzlies stayed there that I think a lot of people would be pleased by. Dalen Terry, who a lot of people are very high on, including myself, could be one of those people. And I think there's a very strong possibility that someone that we collectively really like is going to slip down there to 22 and so do i think the grizzlies will trade up yes but do i think they absolutely have to i don't think so i think this draft is deep enough where the grizzlies could find the upside swing that they're looking for probably with the best pick that they have for sure no um i definitely feel like i mean if anyone is dealt uh in the rotation it's going to be d'anthony melton just because uh, he has the most trade value of anybody that they're, they're looking to trade. And it's also just – it's a lot more feasible than the like, – there's not anyone out there on the market right now that I'm trading Dylan Brooks for, at least realistically speaking. Um, but I do want to get – I'll go from uh, – I'll go Chip then to Michael here. Chip, I've seen you're, – you're one of the best draft guys out there, especially on Grizzlies Twitter. Uh, I know that you've uh, – preach the gospel a lot on uh, Dalen Terry, and that's the name that's heating up. Honestly, I'm being honest. When it comes to a trade-up, I wouldn't mind even trading up going from 22 to 18 using the 47th pick also or a future second in there and try to jump somebody like Minnesota or Denver to get Dalen Terry. So, uh, Chip, just speak to his rise lately because, I mean, if you look at the county stats, you're like, oh, why, why Dalen Terry? But – when you watch what he does and his skill set, his energy, you can't help but be enticed. No, I absolutely appreciate that, Parker. Um, 
I I gravitated towards Dalen Terry just um, watching him at Arizona this year. Obviously, you watch Arizona. They've got Ben Matherin, Coloco. Um, they've got a couple other prospects. But this wiry 6'7 dude with a 7-foot wingspan just kept making these crazy passes. Uh, played like just really plays with this infectious energy. You know what I mean? Like you want to, you want guys like that on your side. He defends well. He can play point guard. He can play off a point guard. And I think that's, what's interesting about him. And speaking like a theoretical fit with the team is I think we've seen the Grizzlies don't necessarily value having a bunch of short point guards on their team. I mean, even when Ja went down, they never brought in a third point guard. It was, you know, they let DeAnthony Melton do it some. They let Desmond Bain do it some. Well, the great thing about Dale and Terry is he's 6'7". He can play off a job, or you can really put the ball in his hand, and he can be a primary creator. Um, you know, one thing you want to look at, too, in the draft is, did they thrive in their role, right? Like, did this player, uh, was he a star in his role? And there's no question about that. It was a low-usage role for him at Arizona. And I think he's he plays a scalable game. So – he can fit into a reduced role, just like he played at Arizona, or I think he can build off the skill set that he has. It's just um, he's a fun player to watch. I know that a lot of people um, have started to gravitate towards him. You can't help it. I mean, you, you turn on the film and you watch him play. It's fun, and it, it seems to really fit, like, with the culture the Grizzlies have built the last few years. And um, I wouldn't surprise think John Hollinger this morning said that Terry is one of the guys the Grizzlies are targeting. And, it just makes sense. It makes a lot of sense that that fit there. No, for sure. I mean, honestly, he's really a guy that has moved up and up and up on my list of preferred Grizzlies. And it's for reasons that you said. He thrives in his role. And to be honest, in this draft, for the first time since probably the 2017 draft, or actually, no, the 2020 draft, but that was different. We only had a four, the 40th pick. But you're not drafting somebody with the expectation of, oh, this person is supposed to be a cornerstone. You're trying to draft to complement the core. You want to complement Ja, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and who knows, maybe Dylan Brooks, who knows, who knows. But you want to find more players in that complementary role. You know, the guys that could join Zaire Williams, Brandon Clark, uh, Anthony Melton at the moment, uh, potentially Tyus Jones. You want guys that could complement those guys and – Terry fits that, especially, you know, the team has prioritized big playmakers that could defend, uh, cause defensive habit, defend multiple positions, uh, generate turnovers, get out on the break. That is that is Dalen Terry to a T, and I'd be stoked if they got him. But I want to move on to another quick prospect. Uh, there there was reports earlier from 92.9's John Martin that Kennedy Chandler had a solo workout with Memphis, and I, I want to get uh, the beat writer, uh, the commercial appeal, former UT Vol, uh, to Michael Cole's opinion on this because everyone in the mocks are project they're projecting a point guard to go to Memphis because of the Ty's Jones situation, whether it's Kennedy Chandler or Ty Ty Washington. So, to Michael, what do you make out of uh, Kennedy Chandler's uh, workout plan with the Grizzlies, but also how much it makes sense for the Grizzlies to potentially go with a bat, go with a rookie point guard to possibly replace Tyus Jones. Yeah, uh, Parker, that's my whole thing. Like, I mean, first and foremost, Kennedy is like, he's he's the truth. Like, I, I'm a big Kennedy fan. Like you say, went to UT, he's from Memphis, been watching him a long time. 
Like, I'm a big fan of his game, what he brings to the table. And, you know, the playmaking ability, you know, the shooting the shooting ability, I think it's going to be even better, you know, at the next level. He's going to continue to prove there. And uh, he plays well in the half court. So he, he pushes the pace as well. So I feel like he's a, he's a good fit, theoretically. But my thing is kind of what you just said. Uh, Tyus Jones, you're talking about a veteran point guard who just led the NBA four consecutive seasons and assist the turnover ratio. And I've talked time and time again about the free agency market with point guards. At the end of the day, the Grizzlies are going to be making a lot of marginal moves because you have at least three starting positions solidified. Desmond Bain, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. The other positions are probably, you know, not that not not much is going to change there as some of us probably think. But um, at the end of the day, it's about adding, you know, depths and little small marginal things that's going to take this team market for example here's some of the names just off the top of my head you have dennis schroeder you have ray john rondo you have ricky rubio coming off acl injury but ricky rubio and you have delon wright who played in memphis had a nice stretch and he also played earlier this year um against the grizzlies and had a really good game as we started for the hawks so that's four guys right there who you could get cheaper than tyus jones and all those guys have starting experience and all of them have proven to be really good backup point guards. I think this backup point guard year in free agency is like the deepest one in probably the past five or six seasons. So I think Memphis has a golden chance to take advantage of that and focus on wings in the draft. I've been a big advocate for, you know, Wendell Moore. They really like Wendell Moore. I think that's the guy they'll eventually go with if they stay put at 22 and he's there. Uh, I'm. I mean, I, I'm, I really think they'll go Wendell Moore, but with with Kennedy Chandler, I think if he falls some somehow to 29 or something like that, then he'll fall into their lap, right? But I don't see the Grizzlies really going with him with their first pick for the situation you just mentioned. Uh, it'll be a good story. I mean, you know, you have Kennedy Chandler, the Memphis kid, as the backup point guard. He already has a great relationship with John Morant and some of the players on the team. So from a chemistry perspective, it works out. But at the end of the day. If John Morant sprains an ankle or something, you're depending on a six six foot point guard, you know, to run the show of one of the top teams in the Western Conference. And the West is going to be even better next year. Like we're not. That's something you have to factor in. Out of all the teams who made the playoffs, the only one who's probably going to fall is maybe Utah. And the rest of those teams, they're probably going to run it back. I mean, and that doesn't include you know the Clippers getting Kawhi Leonard back or. Portland making moves to get a guy like Jeremy Grant, and they're potentially going to make more moves to add around Damian Lillard. And, you know, a lot of those teams, like the Nuggets, getting Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. back. The West is going to be even tougher next year. Like, so you can't uh, get stagnant in that race. And I don't think, you know, I think drafting a rookie point guard to be the primary backup for John Morant will take them a step back because the Grizzlies had one of the top benches in the NBA. And, if you draft him, I think he's a great third point guard this year. You know, you groom him for that that role. But uh, wing is the position, I think. You know, the Grizzlies, you can't have enough wings. It's, and there are a few wing options uh, that will be really good solid picks in that 20s to 30 range. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to Michael, you echoed a lot of my points on uh, the backup point guard situation. Obviously, your number one priority is getting Tyus Jones back. He is an elite backup point guard. And – you know, it's it was evident when John Morant was out, he was able to continue running the show. And with with what, like you said, the Western Conference getting deeper, 
you want a guy that could be able to spell jaw if he has to miss time. Ty's just done that, and obviously there's a lot of good vets on the market that are willing to do that. Literally just get somebody who could just set the table, get the ball to Desmond Bain, get the ball to Jaron Jackson Jr., and let's ride. Uh, that, that's all I want. I don't want to rely on a rookie point guard to do that. If they ever – if they did go with a backup – not a backup point guard, but if they did draft a point guard, I would much prefer just using a second rounder on a guy like Juan Montero or – I don't think Andrew Nimhard is going to go that far, but Juan Montero would be fine. I mean, he'd be on a two-way contract. You can groom him for that role. That would be a fine option, but yeah, I'm with you. Go draft a wing. Um, if you trade up high enough and you feel like Mark Williams or Jalen Duran are the best players in the board, go draft one of them, but let, let's not try to have a rookie backup point guard be our solution to potentially losing the best backup point guard in the league. But um, thank you to Mike. We're going to move to... First-time guest of GBB Live, former site manager Joe Molinax. Joe, how are you doing this evening, sir? I thought this was a wrestling podcast. We're not recording a wrestling podcast right now? No. Do you really think I'd be recording a wrestling I thought, podcast I thought AEW Dynamite? On, I, thought, I thought we were doing a wrestling podcast in my retirement. <laughs> I, I must have missed that memo. No, um, yeah. thanks, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to... To be back in it here, I, I in my retirement, I am not nearly as entrenched in the draft as you've helped me be these last few years, Parker. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been following along, of course, reading at GBB and um, li- <coughs> excuse, excuse me, I'm going to die. <laughs> Listen oh, to the GBB uh, podcast networks, and I'm out of practice, huh? Um, but anyway. Um, choking on my own knowledge here. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do because I do think, you know, every year that I covered the Grizzlies as GBB site manager, uh, I would always say it's a window into their thinking of what they can be, right? And for the first time, Zach Kleiman came out and said they're contending for a championship. He said that in his, uh, his postseason media. So, this is the first time that we're looking at this team through a different spectrum, a different prism of what they are trying to do. And I think that your point about the rookie backup point guard, now that that perspective has shifted, is a fair one. Uh, I would always argue for having a rookie backup point guard because it's cheap, right? You're about to tie up a ton of money in John Morant, understandably so, not saying they're wrong for it. Um, but in terms of roster distribution – it makes a little more sense to go a little cheaper in that area if you can. But now that you're saying, okay, we are a title contending team, the, the names that were mentioned, you know, I don't know if I'd go DeLon Wright. I've seen that show uh, in a Grizzlies uniform before. But uh, Ricky Rubio is enticing if he's healthy. You obviously have to do a physical in that way as he comes back from his ACL. Maybe you draft a rookie point guard to kind of fill those gaps as Rubio recovers. But There's other names, as you guys mentioned, that that are intriguing in that spot. Um, In in my following along with your guys' draft coverage at GBB, uh, I think the the wing trade-up has become more and more enticing. Uh, You know, Eason, I know you and I have talked about before, uh, Terry, you know, whoever they decide is their fit in that spot, I I would be comfortable with those selections because it allows for them to diversify – what they do and get another versatile player in replacement of DeAnthony Melton. I also think I agree with you that Melton's the one that's most likely gone. 
because Melton is wonderful in terms of what he brings to the table, but he's just too small. And I think we've seen more and more that the smaller combo guards, if they don't have a good handle, you know, even the most, uh, most diehard Grizzlies fan with uh, Beale Street blue glasses will, will admit to DeAnthony not having the handle for a true combo guard. Without that handle, he's, he's limited offensively to his heat checks that he gets into, his hot streaks. That's concerning. And I think that if you bring in a guy like a Terry, for example, that can be, as Chip said, that primary facilitator, has a little bit of a handle, has the size to play off ball next to Jaw. I want to find as many people. Joe, I think we're losing you. So I'm gonna, I want to go ahead and move to uh, a former, another former GBBer, uh, writer for Basketball News, Justin Lewis. Justin, how are you doing? How, how, how? I can't watch right now. How are the reps doing? More importantly, say that again. How are the reps doing? The reps are down two one right now. Uh, they just got out of uh, a jam, so it's. Uh... It's not as as good as it has been. Right. Gotcha. But, um, you know, uh, you've been doing grizzly stuff over with Basketball News, and I, I kind of want to see where you're at, you know. Um, over the possible. past several years, we've seen the – it looks like Joe, Joe's still trying to talk. I don't know if you can tell that he's lost his service yet. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to remove him from speakers and bring him back up. But – Justin, um, so we've seen the Grizzlies uh, have this trend over the past three years. You know, the first two years, they went with the older college prospect that uh, it was going to get docked down the boards for age and something else, and the Grizzlies would swoop. They obviously uh, bucked the trend last year and decided to take some upside swings. Uh, just from looking at the landscape of this draft class, which, which route do you – tend to go down do you want to uh do you want to just stick with the status quo and go get yourself a veteran college player that can step in immediately or do you want to take a little bit of an upside swing and if so like who are some of those prospects on your mind i mean do we have the assets to do both um i I think um I, i could see a scenario where we go up and we get the the tari eason or the if we feel like daylon terry is going to be gone um, the, those kind of upside swings on, on the size, the length, the wing. Um, and then I think when you're looking at your 29th pick or if you use that to move up and you use your second round pick and somebody to move back into the first round like they've, they've shown that they're willing to do, you go get the, the Christian Braun or somebody like that that's a little bit older uh, and you know what you're going to get out of them and can step, kind of step in right away. I think this is a draft where you, you could do both. Um, but I, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing if they will, um, I mean, from all the reports that they're going to move up and they're calling everybody just how far up they'll go. And, um, I think if they're doing that, they're obviously doing that for the upside swing. Uh, and they're not able to, I think they'll, they'll be content. I'm sure they have guys at 22 and 29 that are, um, the, the three to four year guys that they, you know, can bring in right away. So I think there's a scenario where both happens. Uh, in a scenario where uh, they they just pick where they are because they can't get up and take the older guys. Gotcha. I I totally. I, I kind of. It all depends on the pick. Obviously, you know you got to go uh, best player available at some point. But I, I'm kind of. I, I mean, I will say I think with the 29th pick, I want to take that a little bit of that upside swing. Um, I'm about to ask Chip here in a bit. 
uh, his thoughts on that. But, I mean, you know, you have like the Patrick Baldwin Jr., Max Trisky, Caleb Houston, uh, Marshawn Bochamp to to an extent. The, those kind of guys would fit that sort of theoretical upswing, upside swing. And, Chip, I want to ask you, because you did a really strong breakdown last year on Zaire Williams' play at Stanford, hitting on the highs, hitting on the lows. And, you know, if the Grizzlies go down that route this year, you know, the, hey, we like this guy's high school tape. It just didn't pan out in, in his freshman year of college. Let's see what he can do in our development system. Who Who is your guy that you think that's would best take advantage of that sort of opportunity in this system? Yeah, great question. Um, I like to call these guys, if the Grizzlies are in, I'm in. Like, if Kleiman likes this guy, so do I. Um, that's Josh Minot for me. Um, I just think the tools are too intriguing for him not to be something in the NBA. Um, when you watch Memphis last year, Good stuff just happened when Josh Minot was on the floor. I don't know how to quantify that, but he got blocks. He got steals. He was rebounding. He even had, like, a little bit of offensive game at times. Like, there's just something there. Like, there's an outline of a really interesting NBA player. Um, And so that would be, like, if he's there at 29, almost regardless of who else is there, and the Grizzlies keep that pick, that's probably who I would advocate for. Um, He's, he's that guy that, to me, seems like if the Toronto Raptors got their hands on Josh Minot, like three years from now, we're talking about him as like a most improved player in the league or something. Um, and so I would like to see what that would look like in the Grizzlies system because they don't need him to be good right now. They don't need him to be uh, an immediate contributor, even in the next couple of years. This is even a guy like if if he was on board with it, you could even stash him in the G League for a year. So you don't have to, you know, I know the roster crunch is something that's going to be talked about after the draft. But if you're keeping two first-round picks, I mean, somebody, you're going to have to start sending some people out, right? Um, but maybe with a deal like Minot, you could say, hey, look, let's delay this thing for one year. Let's send you down to the Memphis Hustle. We've got our entire development staff down there. Um, and you basically just just send the guy down there. And it's like, you know, the old European stash, except now you can do it in a homegrown way, more under your own control. Um, so my nuts, that guy. I'd also be interested in 29 of Jaden Hardy. Um, I'm not the big I'm not the, the biggest fan um, of Hardy. But again, it's one of those if the Grizzlies picked him, like if Kleiman's in, then so am I because he's seeing something that. Maybe I'm not. And there was enough there of him playing in a professional league and scoring the way that he did that interests me. And especially, like, a guy like that's going to get the Jordan Poole bump, right? A guy that was drafted later in the first round and became a really good player a couple years in a really good development system. So I could see Hardy being a a benefit of, of that. Yeah, I totally agree. I really do think that there's going to be some team or some prospects that get a little bit of that uh, Jordan Poole bump, whether that's, uh, like you said, Jaden Hardy or Bryce McGowan from Nebraska. Uh, but th- that route of the struggling freshman that had the awesome high school tape, um, I, that's my preferred route at 29. Uh, my, my board, I guess, of that would be, you know, Hardy, uh, McG- Bryce McGowan's. I also really like Max Christie out of Michigan State. Uh, I think he's 
shown a lot of scalability to be a, a knockdown shooter, uh, a positional defender on the perimeter, defending positions one through three. And again, another guy that you can just, you know, develop in the G League, get get him in the the Darko dojo for, uh, you know, the if y'all miss like the reports and stuff, you know, Darko Brashovic, uh, one of the assistant coaches here. Uh, with the Grizzlies, he is—he's really been a big help with the development of guys like D'Anthony Melton, Desmond Bain, and now Zaire Williams. So, I mean, if we get—if we can get him here in Memphis, get him in the in the G League, and just get him ready to play some big minutes by—or not big minutes, but you know, rotation minutes by year two—that'd be great. I'd be totally cool with that. Um, so, I, I am going to ask uh, Justin. I'm going to start asking. Uh, the question of the day with Justin, but feel free to start sending requests. If you have any draft thoughts, want to ask me a question, or if you want to answer the question of the day. So uh, Justin, the the question of the day, and I'm still getting used to the question of the day and the exposure. So uh, thank you to the 29 people that voted. So I, I asked the question of the day, how many picks will the Grizzlies end up making tomorrow night? So nobody said zero. Smart, smart people right there. Thirty-one uh, percent of y'all said one. Sixty-two percent said two, and seven percent, which I'm in that seven percent, voted for three. Justin, where are you at on this question? How many picks do you think the Grizzlies are going to end up making tomorrow night? I was one of the ones that voted two. Um, I I think they they couple the first round picks and move up and take one pick there, and I think they'll either pick at their second spot or they'll use that second pick to move up a little bit higher, maybe at the 30 spot um, or early in second round. Uh, I think two picks is, is likely. I wouldn't be shocked if, if they did a thing where they they moved up, moved up, and then bought back in as, as well. Um, they've shown that, you know, the year that they got Brooks and Rab, they had no picks and they bought in twice. Um, obviously a different regime, um, but it's it's – it's possible if they see somebody that's fallen that they love, um, I wouldn't be shocked if they, if they bought back in. So I'm with two. I want to throw this out there as my, as my guy who's overlooked. And I know it's funny for me to do it because we share the same name, but Justin Lewis out of Marquette is a player. I knew you'd throw his name in there. He is number 25 on my big board. And he is just a, he's a six, seven wing that defends and has a smooth stroke and can knock it down but just need some time to develop. So he'd be a guy that if, if he fell into the 40s would be a perfect developmental uh, player to, to, like Chip said, throw him down in the G League, let him get some run. Um, but that dude is going to be an awesome NBA player. I, you know what? I can see it. I see the infrastructure there. You know, he's a big wing. He can shoot. He can pass a little bit. He's a good rebounder. He can defend multiple positions. Kind of put him in a little bit of that, like, Grant Williams, small ball four kind of thing. I can see it. I can see the vision with Justin Lewis. So, um, and also too, you know, if the Grizzlies do get Justin Lewis, you got to get a, a Justin Lewis Grizzlies jersey. It's like in a, it's written in the stars. Yeah, immediately. Um, so um, I voted three because you know I think they will trade up from twenty two, um, or even I, I think more likely they trade up from twenty two. They either throw in a player or a future draft asset to do so. Uh, they're going to keep 29, and I think they'll trade up from 47 to go chase a guy they like in the second round to get on a two-way. Uh, I, I read today from the Athletic, I believe, that there's more inclination for guys in the 30s to sign two-way deals, 
And I, I think the Grizzlies could do that. Uh, obviously, if a guy like Josh Minot is falling in the second round, that's kind of a no-brainer. Um, I forgot to mention this when after Chip brought him up, but my, I, I saw a mock that had Minot to Miami at 27. My Lord, that just sounds like an incredible, incredible developmental spot for him. But I want to get to our first speaker. Don't forget, if you want to ask any sort of questions or anything about the draft, give your quick thoughts or whatever. I'm going to probably run this for about another, like, 15 minutes. So um, request away. I'll let you get up here. But we'll start first with Memphis Grizzlies Uruguay. So how are you doing? Um, I don't know the time zone there. So how are you doing? Uh, Fine, fine. Thanks. It's uh, currently 10 p.m. right here. Okay, okay, so good evening, good evening. Thank you. Uh, and I'm pretty excited for the draft. I think that the Grizzlies uh, will do right because just Zach Clemens is the head of the operation and I believe he can truly develop any player he wants. But I think that this part of the backup point guard is something we need to cover in case Tyce Jones does not resign with the Grizzlies. And... I've seen a guy called Andrew something from Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, you know him? Bard. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that guy. And I've seen a couple of plays. I mean, he's already NBA ready. And he seems pretty cool. And here he even said in an interview, he likes Tyce Jones' game. And I think he's one of those players that can really be impactful. Uh, at the time they enter the court, and I really like him. Yeah, I do too. I like, I like Andrew Nimpard. Um Honestly, out of the uh, potential point guards they can draft, he's probably my favorite fit because and he's 6'5". So between him, Kenny Chandler, and Ty Ty Washington, he's probably the cleanest fit next to John Morant if they were to share the floor together. Um, obviously, I like how he takes care of the ball. He facilitates great pick and roll, point guard. Uh, obviously, you know, if you're trying to replace Tyus Jones and free agency, why not just go draft a younger, uh, bigger version of him? That 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 does seem enticing. Um, you know, if they go with a backup point guard, I want, I want to kind of quote Chip. If the Grizzlies and Zach Common are here for it, then I will be too. So I, I think Nimhar is a very good answer. Uh, Memphis uh, Grizzlies, Uruguay, do you have anything else that you want to add? Any other thoughts on the draft? Uh, not really. I just like, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll trade out because with Santel Dama, Desmond Bain, uh, like that's the routine we've seen with Zach Clemmel lately. But there's another guy that I really like, uh, David Roddy. Uh, forward from Colorado State, 6'6", 255 pounds. He seems like kind of a Dylan Brooks kind of guy. He shot like 43% from three in his last year, and he really seems like a good player, and I think he could be a pretty good spot in the 29th pick, and I hope we can get him. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's another... Fascinating pick. I mean, the dude's you know built like a football player, but he can splash threes. He has a really unique game. He'd be a fun guy to develop and, and get playing in the G. 
Um, but yeah, uh, Memphis Grizzlies, Uruguay, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and call it here. You know, I feel like we uh, dove into a lot of stuff. We hit a bunch of different angles uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies in this draft. So uh, whenever you're listening to it, the draft's coming soon. So make sure you stick with Grizzly Bear Blues to get all your draft coverage. We're going to cover every single pick, every single move they make. Uh, we're actually going to have me, Brandon Abraham, and Sean Coleman with Locked on Grizzlies uh, covering the draft live. So we'll be speaking with uh, Zach Climate afterwards and giving y'all insight on um, the picks, the rationale, the next steps, all that. And, yeah, it's it's been a fun ride covering this draft. It's a, it's a really cool draft class, and like you said. It, and it's one of those things that's really fun with the draft now is that you, you trust the people that are drafting. You you don't have this, like, apathy about it. You know, like, you're, you're, you can get excited about it because it's like, oh, they can go get this guy. They can go get this guy. Like, this guy would be a good fit. You can legitimately say that because of – the front office in place making the decisions, but also the development here, buying into player development and doing as great of a job as they are. So it's been really exciting, but uh, make sure you are following me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Check out the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies or on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. And make sure you are giving the podcast network a five-star review. You're subscribing so you don't miss a single episode of any of our three podcasts, GBB Live, 3D podcast, starting five podcast. Thank you all to participated in this spaces. It and enjoy the draft. It, it's uh, GBB next gen. You hear me? We'll see you next week. <laughs>